Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 122, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today we're joined by Frederick's newest brewery. Wait, actually, are you the newest or someone open since you've opened? No, we're still the newest. So it's, it's hard to keep track of that. Like I have to have people almost on like a week after they open to be able to say that. Yes, we're still the newest. So uh, who you hear talking is Michael Clements from Idiom Brewing Company, the founder, brewmaster, and probably pretty much everything at this point, right? That's right. Uh, I'm still the uh, brewer, <laughs> still the owner, and uh, still the taproom manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a full-time job, too. Yeah, I work uh, work for the federal government at uh, NIST in Gaithersburg, so that, uh, that soon will be ending, though. But so so you're, you weren't kidding when you said you were tired earlier. Yeah, I'm always tired. That's <laughs> like uh, the Incredible Hulk. Uh, it's my secret strength. I'm always tired. So um, you... You're one of the large group of people who um, worked in IT or slash technology that decided that job sucks and needed to open a brewery to escape. Oh, I, I never decided it sucked. I actually still enjoy it. Um, uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, opening a brewery was uh, was always a dream, or at least for the last 10 years. Um, and then uh, the dream had the possibility of becoming a reality. And uh <clears throat> you know, you always think things are going to be easier than they are. So you, I always thought that I'd be able to juggle both for, you know, a year or two. And, uh, you know, it's just not that simple, um, especially when you're doing everything. <clears throat> so, uh, and I don't have any partners or anything like that. So I don't have anybody to bounce things off of or share tasks with. So um, it just makes sense to move full time into the brewery. Um, well, I mean, at least though that, not having uh, anyone to share those tasks with, though you also don't have to share anything else with, so there is the big benefit. There. Yeah, so I don't have to I don't have to pay anybody else <laughs> yeah. uh, for any of the the tasks that need to be done. I also don't have to uh, share profits with anybody else, so it's just my my wife and I. So, so you said it's been a dream for about ten years. Yep. And if I remember, you've been home brewing for close to forever, right? Yeah, I've been um, brewing about the same amount of time. So uh, it's been. A uh, little over 10 years, almost 11 years. Um, it started uh, when I went out to go visit some friends in uh, Portland, Oregon uh, with my wife. Um, <clears throat> they uh, moved out there from uh, Florida, from the East Coast. We used to go visit them all the time in Florida. And uh, we went out to Portland um, for uh, a couple weeks. And uh, while we were there, um, we visited, of course, all the microbreweries out there and um on one of our last days while we were in Portland, uh, my buddy uh, asked me if I wanted to brew a beer. He, you know, I never knew home brewing was even a thing then. Um, and, uh, you know, he asked me if I wanted to brew a beer. So we went to a local homebrew shop in Portland area, uh, right outside of Portland in a, a town called Tigard. And um, we uh, picked up the ingredients for an Irish ale. We uh, cooked a stovetop batch of Irish ale in his house and drank beer all day and had a bunch of fun. And, uh, when I came home, it was, uh, let's buy a homebrew kit and <laughs> let's uh, get started. Um, and after a few batches in the house, uh, my wife was like, you got to get that stuff out of here because I don't like the smell. And uh, so I you know, bought a half barrel um, brew house basically so I could brew outside. And it's been every weekend since then. 
Um, and I met a lot of great people homebrewing. Um, actually, I met uh, Keith's, uh, Keith Marcoux's dad um, homebrewing. Um, so I know Keith's dad and Keith pretty well over the years. Um, um, Keith Marcoux from Old Mother, I should say. Um, Who, so, congratulations to them. They they uh, are the continuing the reigning champions of Love Thy Beer because uh, it turns out people love beer with beaver secretions in it. Uh, <laughs> They Who were, knew? Yeah, they they won the uh, Cupid's Curse uh, vote again this year. That's awesome. Uh, congratulations to them, yeah, really. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, I've I've met a lot of great people and uh, have a lot of really good experiences and a lot of good support from the community. So uh, you know, decided to uh, take it to the next level. So it, was it like almost instantly? You're like, I want to do this for a living. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily think that it was going to become, uh, uh, you know, something that I could, you know, transition a hundred percent from work. I figured it would be something that I could possibly go into business, you know, with a few other people, you know, open up a brewery. I also had ideas of grandeur back then that it would be a much bigger production (laughs) facility and, you know, all of that. But, you know, maybe back then it was closer to the, a bunch of guys getting together drunk and saying, let's open a bar. And then it, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I thought that we would, I would find some people over time that had like minds and, you know, we, we'd put things together and, and come up with a plan to open a, a business. Um, but I found over time as well that I, I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to do it on my own. I wanted to, you know, be my own boss. I didn't want to have to like, you know, work with other people in a way that would take away my creative, you know, reign over what I would do. Or how I would do it. And uh, so that transitioned into more of me doing it, which made the scope of my dream a little bit smaller. And rightfully so, um, it ended up working better for us. I, th- I, I mean, I would think in general, though, that is that's the size of breweries that are going to survive now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you, I don't I don't think we'll ever. I mean, there will be exceptions, I'm sure. But like uh, just talking locally it's probably going to be rare to see breweries grow to the size of like flying dog like that everything's so um, not saturated, but it it's more hyper local where breweries are kind of becoming the pub, which is often said. So if you try to go too big, I think too fast, you're, you're going to find yourself in some serious trouble. Yeah. I think not just breweries, but everything these days is hyper local. Um, you know, Farms producing food for local communities, um, distilleries, breweries—all that kind of feeds into each other. And uh, you know, it, it used to be uh, you know regional type of things. Now it's more the hyper localized, yeah. you know, corner bar, which is what it was before prohibition. Um, so it's kind of getting back to that, you know, that core belief of people and how the community is built around these kind of businesses. So, all right. So we have your background. Okay. Um, let's talk about where the name came from. Sure. And then, which also leads in the whole cool naming philosophy <laughs> of all your beers and all of that. So how did you come upon idiom brewing company? And I'm going to guess that Graham probably just loves that because of his, his he excels at vocabulary. <laughs> He has a propensity <laughs> towards using fancy 
multi-syllabic words and <laughs> complex sentence structure just so that you have to look at him and ask to explain what he just said. Yeah. Um, so the... <laughs> <laughs> the name, um, the name uh, is interesting. Uh, so, you know, when I first started, all of the uh, beers I was doing were IPA one, IPA two, you know, Irish red one, Irish red two. A lot of thought went yeah. into it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, when you started out, that's your your main focus is is brewing beer. You know, you really don't care how well it is. You you think it's all good, even though it's not. Um, <laughs> you you you're still learning a lot of things about it. So I wasn't focused on names at first. Um, so uh, real quick break from the name. How long do you think it took until you were brewing good beer? Um, I think that I was doing pretty good after about uh, two or three months. Um, I learned really quick. Temperature control was an important factor. I learned really quick. Water chemistry was a important factor. Um, I also learned really quick um, that uh, – Sanitation was uh, a uh, important factor. So, uh, yeah, probably about two three months before it was consistent, um, and it was replicate. Uh, I, I was able to replicate it and you know do the same batch of beer multiple times and it come out the same. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I'd say two three months before I could I really got to a point to where I could you know be confident that there wasn't going to be flaws in the beer unless it was something. Um, that was fermentation related or, you know, just a byproduct of using certain ingredients, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Back to the name. Oh, sure. Um, so the name, um, so again, you know, I, all the beers were, you know, IPA one, Irish red two, whatever. <clears throat> and, uh, my wife was like, well, you know, and we were starting to host parties and we, I built a kegerator out of a chest freezer and had, you know, six taps on the, uh, the kegerator. And my wife's like, you can't do this anymore if you're going <laughs> to, you, you know, if you're going to host parties and stuff like that and have people over. Sounds um, like it was more of a speakeasy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had to knock right with the number, <laughs> the right number of knocks. Um, but, uh, you know, she was like, well, you need to start coming up with better names for the beer. And, and she was right. Um, and so I thought about it for a while. And, um, you know, I wanted something that made it easy to name beer. Also wanted something that was clever and stuck with people. Um, so, you know, phrases were the first thing I thought of. Um, and so that's where, you know, that some of the names of our beers came about before idiom came about. So I started looking into phrases and I started looking into how a lot of our beers were matched to the you know, either the color or the style of beer or, you know, that kind of stuff. And then I started looking into, um, you know, what these, where the get basically where the entomology of these phrases came from and realized that idioms That's were a word that Graham likes. Yeah. Realized that, uh, that idioms are where these words came from and where these phrases come came from. So that's how idiom brewing company was born. Um, even though back then it was, just a pipe dream it was still yeah you know so that was i don't know probably eight years ago we came up with a name um which my wife then took and had a graphic designer start working on a logo back then so we could have it at the you know home bar speakeasy yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um and uh so yeah we uh we had an original logo which we loved but you know as we moved more towards the business side of it we had our logo redone uh, by a local Frederick uh, graphic designer, and uh, and 
that's how we are where we are today with the name and our beer names. So, which I think that's cool. I like when breweries have, um, even most don't have like a, a whole overarching thing, kind of like you do, but like we'll have series where it's all like a themed name things. Or I, I also I love when there's quotes. Like I I just learned, um, and I'm embarrassed that I didn't catch it sooner. What uh, Sapwood's beer Snip Snap is from? Do either of you know? I saw this online. Yeah. Uh, no. It, the office um, from the episode where he's talking about how um, whenever uh, crap I can't remember her name his girlfriend Jan, Jan didn't want kids he said he he got fixed when she decided she wanted kids he he they had it reversed he was like I can't take it anymore snip snap snip snap and it's like that's the best episode of the office and I embarrassingly did not get that reference I, until I had no else idea either pointed it out. I had no idea either. But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, for us, that was how we started building the names around our beers. And it makes sense too, because um, these are common phrases and they're not things that people can copyright or trademark either because these are, you know, common things. They're not. Oh, I mean, these so are. It's also, hey, look at it's, you. It's also. Litigation proof. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's things that people commonly say and yeah. commonly use. So it's not. It's not uh, something that could easily be argued in, you know, as far as trademark or copyright. So it's uh, it's easy for us. And it gives us a lot of area to delve into with naming beers. Yeah. it's I mean, it's almost endless. Yeah. Um, and that's why we so. have, like, uh, the phrase series because, you know, idioms are phrases. And, you know, for our New England, um, rotating New England recipe, phrased make, made sense. So... And if idiom never worked because, you know, we were still doing our trademarking of the, the name and we had to go through a lot of stuff with that. Somebody tried to trademark idiom before um, for a winery. <clears throat> um, so we had to go through getting that done, which is finally done. But, you know, our next name down the list was actually going to be turn a phrase um, for the brewery name. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, so that was. Idiom rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Yeah. But turn a phrase yeah. will work. Yeah. Um, so actually, though, uh Obviously, I'm smart enough that I've always known what an idiom is. Uh, but for anyone who might not know what an idiom is, what is an idiom? Um, idioms are uh, are phrases that um, sometimes don't necessarily mean the sum of all their parts, um, like uh, golden opportunity. I mean, there's there, you know there's not really a, a, a opportunity that's the most golden of yeah. opportunities, you know, or the most um, you know the best way of doing it. Um, same thing with, uh, milk and honey. I mean, that's not something that, uh, you would normally, you know, put together, um, or Fox in the hen yeah, house. Fox in the hen house. Um, and, uh, you know, raise your eyebrow. I mean, that's something that people do, but why would it mean like anything other than raise your eyebrow? Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to idioms that ne don't necessarily make sense when you put the words together. Um, but, They've become sayings that people use to convey a specific feeling or, you know, meaning. So, All right, so we're going to take a real quick break to uh, thank Roast House Pub and to uh, talk about the Frederick Craft Spirits Festival. And then um, when we get back, I want to talk about uh, scaling up from being a home brewer. And then um, 
a few other things. Sure. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. The Frederick Spirits Festival is coming back to the Frederick Fairgrounds on April 20th for a day of food, music, and local spirits. Find your inner mixologist with a cocktail mixing seminar with sampling included with a crafting pass, or join us for the spirits sampling by picking up a tasting pass. Liven up your liquor cabinet with local Maryland spirits. For more information and tickets, go to frederickspiritsfestival.com. So you actually have um, a beer dinner coming up with Roast House. That So this will be released on Wednesday. So it's one week from, uh, close to a week from today, you have a beer dinner at Roast House. That unfortunately, that if you're listening to this and you want to go, you can't because all the tickets are gone already. Uh, but it will be amazing. Um, do you want to give a rundown of the beers that you're taking? Because sure. we, we were just talking about them, and they all sound amazing, <laughs> and I want to talk more about one of them. Sure. Um, so uh, we're taking a, a key lime goza um, that uh, was made with uh, key limes, coriander, and Himalayan salt. Uh, we're taking a uh, coconut porter that was uh, uh, aged on toasted coconut. Um, we're taking a double IPA um, that we have as a house beer that we will keep on tap all the time. Um, we're taking a new New England recipe, our phrase number three, which is a higher ABV version of our house um, rotating New England um, with a little bit of a different hop character, um, which has uh, Amarillo and Galaxy. Um, <clears throat> and we're also taking a, a beer called uh, Golden Opportunity. So I think that's the beer you're referring to. Yeah, and we're going to pretend like we didn't just have this conversation sure. before we came sure. back from break. Sure. <laughs> um, so what do you want to know about it? Um, uh, where'd the idea come from? Uh, so it's, it's just it sounds like a cool name, <laughs> and it sounds like it might taste like something. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Golden Opportunity was uh, uh, my my holy grail of trying to uh, trying to recreate a beer. Um, I used to, when I first started homebrewing, love Trogue's Nugget Nectar. See, and I don't know, I, I, I want to disagree with you about the used to, because while it's kind of like a beer from a, a bygone era yeah. of craft beer, it's still an amazing beer. No, don't get me wrong. Um, when I say used to, I mean, I, I love the way it used to taste. It's changed over time. Um, Given or has your palate changed? Well, probably both. But um, the beer has definitely changed over time. They they've actively said that they've changed the ingredients. Yeah. They've changed the hop profile um, year to year. Just you know, it's it's something that happens, especially when you use certain types of hops and certain types of ingredients. They change over time. I vaguely remember when I we interviewed them that they they changed it up a little bit to make it more stable. Mm -hmm. Because at one time, I remember, like, if you didn't drink that within a month or two, it, it's not that it went bad, but the um, the flavor was just completely different. Right. Um, so, you know, back back then when I was, uh, you know, trying to, you know, 
really create this beer, not really understanding and not knowing anything outside of, you know, what they listed on their website about, um, what was in the, the beer. Um, I kind of, um, started, you know, seeking out more information about it, trying to recreate it. I've brewed that beer probably 20 times. No, I won second place at the great Frederick fair brewing a clone of nugget nectar. Good. That's awesome, dude. Um, and I got a cute little go- uh, red ribbon. I mean, I was really just the first loser. Uh, well, you know, you have to lose a lot to win. So, um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So it was it was kind of the holy grail of things. I, I uh, tried to recreate it multiple times, failed a lot. Um, I got close a lot, um, and then I I kind of changed where I was heading with it. I, instead of trying to mimic it, I actually took a lot of the the similarities in the beer and went a different direction. Um, and, uh, I started, you know, testing out different dry hop techniques and different, um, hop combinations for the beer. Um, not only in the bittering side or the hot side, but also in the cold side and came up with something I think, um, is on the same, uh, playing field. So, um, that's what golden opportunity is. Uh, it was my, you know, opportunity to try to, yeah. you know, build a beer that was is on the same playing field as what I think is one of the better breweries on the East Coast. I I feel like they are. I mean, they they get a lot of respect and people do love them, but I still think in some way they're underrated. I agree. I agree. Um, they in as I was saying to you before, Nugget Nectar. It was a beer that until it was so readily available in Maryland every year when it, the day it was released at the brewery, I would drive up to at first, um, not crap. Where were they before? I should know. Cause it's uh cap Harrisburg. Right. I, w- I would drive up to the tiny little brewery in Harrisburg and buy at least a case of it. Um, and then when they moved, I would drive to Hershey. So thankfully Hers the new brewery is so much bigger that it just floods into Maryland and right. it's, you get it anywhere now. Um, but like, I've loved that beer forever. Then I feel bad that I used to do this, but I would always, anytime I rated a beer on any platform, I would rate it compared to Nugget Nectar. And I, I recognize now that that was unfair to every brewery that did not receive <laughs> an appropriate rating because I was comparing them to just how I felt about <clears throat> Nugget Nectar. Yeah. I also feel like uh, rating programs like Untapped <clears throat> should actually have uh, you know even more finite control over your rating. Um, you know it should be not just four four point two five four point five, but you should actually be able to like slide the bar to like four point one two five to give it more granularity. <laughs> just to really let people know what he precisely yeah. thought yeah, about yeah, exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. But and, it's all perception anyway, so it doesn't matter. But so when when I tried. Uh, golden opportunity like i didn't tell you then but like when i tasted like that was the first thing i thought was like this tastes like nugget nectar it reminded me that it was not exactly the same because you said you you changed it up enough but like it was reminiscent of nugget nectar yeah i mean i don't know the the recipe that they used i i was only building it off of my perception of the beer um and uh you know it's I built it into what my perceive, my, what I remember Nugget Nectar to be when I first started to drink the beer many years ago. 
So it's it's still that that profile that comes out in Golden Opportunity is my vision of what I remember from that beer, even though it's a totally different beer. So, or at least I think it's a totally different beer. It could be exactly the same recipe. <laughs> I, the only way I'd know is to show it to the Trogner Brothers. So that would be. Uh, they're very it. accessible people. Oh, I know, I know. I, you know, up, you I know. could email them and ask them, "Hey, man, you know, uh, <laughs> is this how you make it?" it probably <laughs> this is, will not tell yeah, you. But. This is what I did. Is this anywhere close? <laughs> I'm not a homebrewer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, okay, you you brought being used to being a homebrewer. How hard was it for you to um, scale up from homebrewing to? to um you have a is it a 10 barrel or seven barrel? seven barrel seven barrel. yeah um because that was one thing i had always thought about when you were talking about opening is because you're a being able to try your beer before idiom existed was very easy well i mean you were even at the the um craft beer festival last year right and your beer was great and so like all i like would think was like well i really hope that he scales up and it's just as good. Right. And he definitely was just as good. Uh, was that difficult for you to do or was it? <clears throat> well, I, I think, um, I think one of the things I did as a home brewer was I didn't try to take normal homebrewing shortcuts for beer. Um, you know, trying to intentionally like cool a beer um, fast to, you know, chill it, so that way I can move it into a fermenter. Well, you had six on tap, so you weren't in a hurry. Right. <laughs> but I, you know, so that way I could, you know, use the same kind of techniques that pros would use. So whirlpooling techniques or, you know, certain temperature um, steeps and stuff like that, that were conducive to scaling up rather than um, some of the, you know, shortcuts that homebrewers typically use. So a lot of my recipes were already built around those those methodologies. So, so basically, it was easy for you. I haven't had any issues um, so far. Knock on wood. Um, scaling up recipes. In fact, I've done a lot of new recipes that I've never done before on the system. Um, I'd say it's about a half and half mix right now. Um, so I've had success in even building new recipes without having to do, you know, smaller scale batches of beer, um, which is good. So was there any, um, was it just exactly how you thought it was going to be to scale up or the only difference is did the, you ha- run in any hiccups? The only difference so far has um, been hop um, bitterness. And that is typical because in larger batches of beer, you typically get uh, higher utilization of hops. So you end up getting a little bit more of a bitter flavor from the hops than you would if you did it in a smaller scale scale batch. Um, so that was the the biggest learning curve, but I kind of knew that information before I went into it. Um, so I was able to kind of build the, or when I scaled up the recipes, I kind of was able to adjust the bitterness off of that. Um, the other issue that I ran into when I um, scaled up recipes, and I'm sure every brewer does on a new system, was efficiency. You know, how much water I needed to use to get the water out of my batch um, that I or the wort out of the batch that I needed <clears throat> to make the beer size I needed and alcohol content I needed. Um, so it took me about four or five batches to figure out alcohol, 
ranges based upon how much water I was using in each batch versus the type of grain and the efficiency of the grain. So uh, it wasn't too terrible, um, but it was definitely a learning curve there. Um, but I haven't had, uh, other than that, any major issues with, you know, building new beers or taking beers that I had previously and scaling them up to the seven barrel size. Have you played at all on your homebrew system or is that sitting in the corner collecting dust at this point? It's sold. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, not even collecting dust. Now. Not at all. Yeah. It was a half barrel system. I, I, you know, I, over time I've done different size systems. I started on a five gallon stovetop system, went into a half barrel size, um, propane system. Then I moved into a barrel size, um, electric system, and then back down to a half barrel size. So I've gone up and down through the range, <clears throat> what a typical, um, home brewer would, um, but it gave me the opportunity to kind of learn some of the things of scaling up and scaling down recipes that kind of helped me realize what I was going to have to do when we took it to the next level, if we ever did. Okay. So, um, so let's talk about your space a little bit. Cause it's, uh, fairly tiny. Awesome. Well, I, I, <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go tiny. And that, I mean, I wouldn't say it's tiny. It's a no. It's about small. thirty. It's about thirty five hundred square feet. So it's it's tight Smaller, for a seven barrel. But it's not. Uh, it's not horrible. No, I mean, no, no. It's cozy. Yeah, it's cozy. <laughs> yeah, cozy's good. Cozy's good. Um, but it's, I I would, if not already, definitely soon an extremely enviable location. Yes. So you're you're located right along Carroll Creek yes. in downtown. Is that still considered downtown? Yeah, we're uh, we're still considered downtown there because it's uh, part of the Carroll Creek Linear Park now. Yeah, I would say yeah. that would by default yeah. definitely can. Um, so you're you're in the little uh, I mean, maybe it's called like the brewery district of Frederick. The... Yeah, um, it's getting <laughs> to it's getting to be the brewery district of Frederick. Yes. So you, um, some of the more established uh, Attaboy's been around for two years now. Mm -hmm. They're right across the creek from you. Um, Probably the brewery to open right before you was House Cat. Yeah, and House Cat, I think, opened in the summer. And yeah. they're directly across the creek from right. you. Um, there's the possibility of some other places located yeah, in there, too, but yeah. we won't talk about that too much. Yeah. Um, but uh, describe the space a little bit and like what you have planned, some of the plans you have for once the weather's nicer. And Sure. So, uh, as you mentioned, we're, um, we have space on the creek and uh what is uh what used to be the union knitting mill um as part of that whole building that's been revitalized um there on the creek um we have about 3500 square feet with access to outdoor seating um, which has been already approved by the city um <clears throat> so we'll we have uh, capacity indoors for 94 people um, 94 seats if we have tables in place and 110 if we move the tables out against the walls so we could have you know a large party in there um <clears throat> we also have uh, what we expect to be about 50 to 60 seats outside um and that'll be opening up in the spring um <clears throat> we're also currently working on um looking at the space next to us um that was supposed to be a deli and was a unit that um was um under lease but looks like will no longer be under lease um we actually put in uh, a letter of intent to see if we could take a, over that ownership of that space as well 
um, in hopes that we could expand the tap room, add some storage area, and get us a little bit more flexibility when we start doing canning. Will you be able to open right up into that, or like will be a doorway into it? Yeah, we should. We should be able to um, rip open a spot in the brick wall that's between our units and okay. basically extend the tap room into like that right area. there after where the bathrooms are. Yeah, okay. basically between the. Uh, wall where the bathrooms are and the front support of the front edge of our building. Um, so that's where we're looking to do that. Um, that's still, you know, possibly far out in the future and may not come to fruition. It all depends on the landlord. Yeah. Um, but it's something that we're actively pursuing. But yeah. I think, um, Carroll Creek seems to, it, it's had this problem for quite some time where, it's almost where businesses went to die, at least in that one area. Um, but it, it seems that it's with the extension being built up, the addition of breweries in that far, the far uh, east end of Carroll Creek, and then the the other businesses that could end up joining you in the Union Mills area. That Carroll Creek is going to become what the city of Frederick envisioned that it'll be. Yeah. I think that, uh, with the, with the businesses that are there and the, the businesses I know that are attempting to come to that part of town, um, it could very well become a beacon for Frederick, um, almost become the center of town, um, change the center of town for Frederick. Um, yeah, it could, yeah, it really could. Um, just based upon what I know is, is happening or coming, yeah. um, what's being planned for the area, the new constructions that, that's happening in the area for homes and that type of stuff, it could very well change how Frederick did, Frederick is viewed and that part of town is viewed. Um, so we're really happy to be in that location. Um, we couldn't have expected or um, landed a better location, I, in my opinion. Um, we've been doing very well there since we've opened and it does help to have out of boy across the creek who's an established brewery as yeah. well um and we send our customers there i know they send their customers our way we do different styles of beer um and we kind of you know take that you know that healthy competition to the next level um so that that was actually one of the next topics i want to talk about how you're saying there's different styles of beer is there um sort of a theme or a general idea of the beers you want to focus on or do you, are you just going to be across the board making anything that any beer drinker may want to drink no i mean our our main focus has always been english style beers or english origin beers um so esbs porters stouts um things like that um we also will be doing beers that are german and uh, you know uh, origin. Um, we'll also be doing, you know, a lot of American styles. I mean, we do a lot of New England style IPAs. Um, we will continue to do a lot of New England um, style IPAs. Um, I hear they're popular. <laughs> that's what people tell me. Yeah, that's what people tell me. Um, market research. Is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, market research. I, I do a lot of that on the weekends. <laughs> I'll go check out other breweries and see what they're doing. Um, and that's another thing. I mean, it's uh, the Frederick community has been really awesome. Um, way better than I would have ever expected. Everyone's really welcoming. 
Um, everyone wants to help each other. It's healthy competition, but it's also, you know, friendly. It's like a brotherhood. Yeah. Yes. Brother and sisterhood. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you want to, you know, you want to slap your brother against the head or something like that. But, you know, everyone at the end of the day still wants to see everyone move forward and, you know, make the community a better place. Yeah. The and, the whole uh, rising tide raises all ships, yeah, exactly. blah, blah, blah thing. Right, exactly. Um, so, I mean, it, it's true, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, oh, yeah. it's absolutely well, there true. Well, there you go. There, there's the next, another beer name, Rising <laughs> Tide. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true. We all need to push each other harder. Um, and we do by raising the game, raising each other's, you know, game with pushing each other with new beers and new styles and new takes on styles. So it allows us, you know, to put something out and then let's just say um, old mother or attaboy says, all right, well, we're going to do something similar, but we're going to take it up a notch. And, you know, it, it just becomes a healthy competition yeah. um, that keeps everyone on their toes. It keeps everyone pushing farther down the path of becoming what I believe already is, you know, the craft brew center of the mid-atlantic um no you're wrong there it is the east coast craft beer capital <laughs> as repeated by politicians during um campaign speeches therefore it has been made true actually i mean <laughs> i'm just gonna go ahead and ed- and ed- edit the frederick maryland uh, wikipedia page <laughs> and put that in there and see how long it lasts i bet you it stays <laughs> I'll bet you it stays. Frederick, Maryland, a.k.a. the East Coast Craft <clears throat> Capital. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, we have we have a lot to offer in Frederick. Um, every brewery is doing something different. And every brewer, brewery in Frederick is doing their best to push things farther and farther down the line. And I, I, it's it's a good it's a good um, place to be. And we have the entire gamut, too. From tiny to the largest brewery in Maryland. Yep. Yep. And, and hence ha- why we have become the East Coast Craft Beer Capital. Yeah. yeah and uh, I, I hear that uh, the next brewery is opening up here in the next uh, month or so. Um, you know, and I, I wish them luck as well. Jug Bridge, uh, from what I understand, is uh, opening up in the old uh, old mother spot. Yeah, and, I've uh, heard that. And uh, Matt Townsend uh, seems like he's a good guy. And uh, I wish him a lot of luck. Yeah, I have not met him yet, but I'm sure you will soon. Probably. <laughs> um, so there, there were some other things you talked about that were forward-looking. Do you sure. want to talk about any of those publicly, or are they still? Um, so we're we're also and um, we're already um, actively purchasing 15 barrel fermenters for our, our brewery. Um, so we'll be upgrading um, three of our tanks to 15s and reusing the three that we're upgrading as additional fermenters. So we'll expand from four tanks to seven tanks. Um, but we're also um, looking to purchase a canner for our own use on site. Um, and I was actually talking to a few other brewers in Frederick about possibly becoming the uh, the canning uh <laughs> the canning guy in Frederick who, who, who has a canner and people can kind of borrow from time to time if they were looking to do their small release of beer yeah. instead of having to do something, you know, through another um, avenue. 
Um, yeah, instead of halving to what's the minimum? It's like 15, 15. I think it's 15 or 30 barrel, something like 30 that. 30 bar- barrel. Whatever it is, it's like a lot. Yeah, I know like, like uh, Calvert, Calvert does um, contract brewing, um, and they I think they require a minimum 30. Um, I know Antietam does contract brewing. Um, there's also like Beltway Brewing, but most of these guys are doing 30 barrel yeah. minimums. Or even the um, mobile, mobile canning, canning it has pretty high. Mobile canning, I think, is 18 barrels to be viable um, for them coming out. Okay. So it's, you can do a, a smaller set, but I think 18 is the number they said makes the most sense economically. Okay. Um, if you don't want to lose if money you don't, on a run. Yeah, if you don't want to lose money <laughs> on a run. And it's quite it's, – honestly, it's quite expensive per run to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you run – if you do, let's just say, two releases a month, um, you could – and let's say you do two releases of two cans a month, um, you could easily buy a canner within 10 releases. So what's the – economics of yeah. paying somebody else to do it over time yeah if you can swim if you can make it work right. financially it, there, there there's a financial incentive right and it. and you know one of the benefits again of, of our establishment is i don't have partners and i don't have investors so i don't have to worry about paying other people so yeah. i can take what we've made and what we plan to make and turn it into an investment in the business rather than you know paying out money to for people who invested in the business. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a win-win for us. Um, we've already talked to, um, our bank, we've looked at everything we need to look at from a funding perspective. So, um, it's, it's on the horizon. That's awesome. Yep. So you, you may end up being, well, besides flying dog, but they're just on a different level. The first, uh, brewery in Frederick to have a, a canning line. Yeah. It's po- It's quite a possibility. And if, if the space, um, becomes available next to us for us. Um, it would make us the third, the third largest brewery in city limits. So I think Monocacy and Old Mother than us. Yeah, Monocacy's huge. Yeah. <laughs> the so, amount of square footage they have throughout all. Yeah, their... so it would be uh, Monocacy, I believe, then Old Mother, then us as far okay. as size, and then Attaboy and Housecat. Then you just go down the list. Yeah, of exactly. All of the breweries that make up the East Coast craft beer capital of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, we're we're looking forward to the future. Um, if if why has it taken you so long to make these expansions and steps? <laughs> I mean, we've only been open for almost three months now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, it's taken you three months to. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've been lucky. I can say that. Um, we've we've. I know we people say we have a great product and we have a great brand. Um, I I feel like you know we've just been able to execute things well, and um, execution is a lot of the time the key to being able to, you know, expand and or grow your business. Especially now. Yeah. I I think you know a few years ago. Uh, because there were so so fewer breweries, people gave a lot more slack to when a brewery opens. Yeah. But now, if a brewery opens, you better be firing on all cylinders. Another good, uh, another good uh, uh, name, name of beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that, using that at some other time. <laughs> um, uh, because I don't I don't know if people are quite as forgiving. 
as they were like three years ago. Yeah. There's really no need to. If I go to some place and it's not good, I mean, for what I'm doing, I'll give, I'll definitely give other breweries a second chance if I don't enjoy it the first time. But I think the average consumer probably like, uh, if it's not good, I'll just walk down the street and go to the other place that I've had a good experience. Yeah, at. I mean, for us, it's it's. <clears throat> I mean, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot. There was a lot of leeway in the craft beer scene up until about three or four years ago. Um, and it helps, um, or it helps now that we have other established businesses by us because that has already a draw to the location. Yeah. However, it also hurts us in the, and or would hurt us in the long term if we weren't putting out a product that was a quality product. Yeah. And thankfully is what you already said. They're all willing to help too. Right. So they, I'm, I would imagine most of them have, told you the hurdles that they had or like some of the like oh, be yeah. careful about this and absolutely absolutely i mean they're uh, most of the breweries in frederick have been a, a a vault of information um you know if i had questions about you know things that they ran into or process um items with regard to equipment things of that nature they've been you know very helpful um but again i think that that's like like having another brewery like Attaboy by uh, close by. Um, their beer is great. Um, they execute the styles that they do very well. Um, so if we weren't doing, I heard that they have really awesome adult spelling bees too. <laughs> I, I heard that somewhere. <laughs> um, they uh, they do the styles they do well. And if we weren't firing on all cylinders and executing our styles well that would be easy for customers to just say, all right, well, we're just yeah, going to walk across the creek. There's a bridge right there. I'll just walk over. Right. Um, not to say that our customers don't already go to Attaboy yeah. or, you know, their customers don't yeah. already come to our spot, but they would just stay over right, there. Exactly. If you weren't. Right. And I mean, we've, like I said, we've been pretty lucky. We've been, our business has been growing week to week. Um, you know, our, our sales have been growing week to week. So we've been able to take that and, and transition, um, that from, um, you know, holding on to that and, and growing, you know, our bank account necessarily to, um, taking that money and reinvesting it in the business quickly. So that way we can grow quickly. Um, so hopefully, like I said, we can, we can take advantage of the space next to us, but long-term, if that doesn't happen, um, we'll be looking at a offsite production facility. Um, do you want to talk about Fox in the Hen House? Because then it has to happen. If well, I mean, so I'm happy important. to talk about Fox in the right. Hen House. Yeah. So, um, well, I'll just let you say what's what's going to happen. Sure. Um, well, uh, so Chris and his wife came in um, to uh, to have some beers. And, of course, uh, Chris's wife loves idioms, too. She's a word nerd. <laughs> She's an English teacher. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Chris and I got to talking about, uh, you know, the possibility of doing a, a collaboration uh, on a beer. And uh, I get a text from Chris a couple weeks later and he says, Fox in the house. And I'm like, what? He's like, Fox in the house. It's an idiom. We should do a beer Fox in the house. <laughs> and, um, uh, so, uh, we're looking at, uh, doing a, a red IPA. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, how that beer will look in the presentation of it, but, um, keep on the, the lookout for, uh, a collab beer from, uh, uncapped and, uh, an idiom brewing company. And it's, it's, it has been recorded. So thus will happen. Um, and so do you have anything else coming up that you want to talk about? Um, anything we haven't covered that? 
So we do have the beer dinner. I think we covered that yeah. already. Um, we have our grand opening that is uh, occurring. Oh, that's, I forgot. Yeah. About this is this will come out before your ribbon cutting yeah. takes place. That's so our ribbon cutting, even though we've by the time it happens, will have been open for three months, which um, is the norm. Like, the the norm, norm, I guess. Um, yeah. We'll have a, a ribbon cutting on um, the twenty first of this month, which is next Thursday, um, at four p.m. Um, <clears throat> so we'll have a, a variety of. Uh, Local officials, the downtown Frederick Partnership, um, some representatives from BAM, um, and you know we'll be doing some special um, pricing on beer. We'll be doing some spe- special um, glassware for the event as well. Um, so people love their glassware. They do. Um, we're also um, going to be releasing new shirts, um, new V-necks, and new pullovers. Deep V's. Yeah, deep V's. Right. Um, and, uh, we'll be, <clears throat> we'll be also, uh, like I said, doing some new pullovers as well. So they'll all be out about the same time as the, um, this is where I will take the opportunity that, uh, say that pullover hoodies are an abomination and that zip ups are way better. I, you know, there's two camps <laughs> on the, uh, the, the whole thing. And I, yeah. you know, a lot of the people I talk to are hundred percent one way and hundred percent the other. You can't you can't make all people well, happy all the time. A hundred percent of the people who think pullovers are better are one hundred percent wrong. <laughs> I disagree. You're wrong. <laughs> um, so, what was the date of that again? Uh, the twenty first of um, February. So next Thursday. That that is actually next Thursday. That is Thursday, from when yeah. this is what day this is right now yeah. in the future. Yeah. <laughs> so if 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 you were looking from the day that this podcast will be released, it would be the day after this podcast podcast is released. Oh, you're right. I'm not good at math. Yeah. But it's still next Thursday. Yeah, still next the Thursday. following Thursday. Yeah. yeah. It's tomorrow. So stop by tomorrow <laughs> if you were Listen, eh, whatever. Um, look I feel like that ca- part's going to get yeah, edited just, out. <laughs> no, we don't. No, it, there's there's no editing. That's why a lot of people just think I'm a complete moron. Uh, basically, look at the calendar. Whenever you're listening to this, if it's before the 23rd. 21st. Or 21st. See, I'm an idiot. If it's before the 21st, just do the math, and that's whenever yeah. <laughs> you should go. So to February 21st at 4 p.m. Do you have big fancy scissors? Um, is the... I'm not sure who's bringing the scissors, whether it's BAM or the Downtown Partnership or the, the... or the Economic Development Office. So I think they may all bring their scissors, and we're just going to pick the biggest one. Just make confetti out yeah. of the rim. <laughs> Or have multiple people cutting at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I forgot the bottle of whiskey, so we are not going to get to try that unless we pause. I run to my office, and then, yeah, we're just going to pause real quick, um, and I'm going to go get some whiskey. Sounds good. Through the magic of editing, I did actually find and remember the whiskey. Um, so... You know what this is. This is the whiskey I made with McClintock, your neighbor, so- shortly down the close to you on the creek. Um, we actually have some barrels from them that we have some old ale aging in. That's what I was going to ask you, dude. What? Because um, I don't know if I ever. I don't think we ever talked about what you were going to put in there. No, we never. I, I we we talked about getting the barrels from them, and uh, we took an old ale we made in December, and we released a, a barrel of it as um, a tap room version of the beer and then we took uh three barrels of it and put it into rye whiskey barrels from their boot jack um rye which is delicious which is amazing um probably one of my favorite ryes on the east coast i went on a um tour of 
wineries in Loudoun County last weekend for a friend's 40th birthday party. And my flask of boot jack is the only thing that got me through that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> um, and then we had uh, three barrels um, from them that were from their um, matchstick release that they did. Oh, so December. you had some bourbon barrels, too. Yeah, so we had three barrels of the rye and three barrels of the bourbon that are aging right now. Would you put um, in the bourbon barrels? Uh, same beer. Oh, nice. Same You'll be able to do. Will, will you release them at the same time so people can? Uh, the rye is closer to being done okay. than the bourbon version, I, and I believe that's just because the bourbon barrels were fresher. So they they went into the bourbon barrels within a couple of days of them being dumped. Okay. The ryes were probably a couple of weeks outside of being dumped, maybe a month, month and a half. Um, so the rye character, uh, the, the version that's in the rye, um, has a, a ton of spice, um, a ton of caramel and vanilla notes already. Um, the bourbon barrel version is, is good. It's getting there, but it probably needs about another two months to, okay. to get some more of the, the barrel, yeah, the barrel flavors, um, uh, to meld. Um, I tasted it actually last night. Um, I, uh, took a a drill and tapped them both and, and then <laughs> nailed them back. So that way I could, uh, with a stainless nail, um, that I could take a couple, uh, uh tasters of and try them, uh, with, uh, my wife, try them with my staff and, and kind of get what their feedback was of the beers. And everyone, uh, agreed that the rye was, you know, a couple weeks to a month being out and ready. Um, and the bear, uh, bourbon barrel versions, two months minimum before it'll be okay ready. So I believe that we're going to go ahead and release the rye earlier. Um, and then the, um, bourbon version. Um, my original intent was to, to take them both and see what they, their flavor profiles were and, and, uh, you know, combine them, um, to take advantage of both. Oh, that would be cool. Um, with the timing, but with the timing of the, uh, the barrels and the flavor, uh, contributions of the yeah. barrel, it just, it, it makes sense to have them as separate releases. You need to try to time the next time they, uh, yeah. So a, a new release. Yeah. I mean, we're able to do both. Of them. I've been talking to, um, Brayden and Tyler and there's other barrels we'll be getting from them, um, down the line. There's other ideas I have for beers that would uh, be compliments to the flavors of the barrels. Um, so we're actively talking to them about timelines and, you know, I'd like to use uh, McClintock as much as possible for our barrel aged beers. Yeah. They're so close. The guys there are amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, they do well at their craft. Um, and um, I'd like to, you know, kind of compliment that and, you know, help them as well as help us get both of our names out. And I think it's a, uh, a good way of, you know, creating that collaborative environment. Yeah. So this is, I mean, you know, you've heard yeah. probably multiple times. It's, it's a single malt whiskey uh, infused, <clears throat> vapor infused with UK Goldings and Meridian Hops. Uh, this will probably be an envious barrel to get hands on. Uh, a year or so from now when the finished product is ready. Uh, so thank you for coming in and recording with us on our first weekend episode. 
uh, which means nothing to anyone because it's Wednesday right now if you're listening or watching it live. Um, so thank you everyone for watching and listening. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for the beer. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for having us. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.